Welcome to the show, Boone and BG calling in this week. I should say NBA expert Ben Boone. Uh, I've been on the show once before, but Boone, obviously uh, Timberwolves had the number one pick last night. They take Anthony Edwards from Georgia. Uh, In my opinion, I think it's a great pick. Uh, Just seeing what he can do on the offensive end, his speed, his size. We were talking a little bit before we started recording. You think he might be a little bit overweight in terms of a two guard in the NBA. Uh, But what was your reaction to that pick last night? Definitely a good pick. You know, I, in my opinion, and who knows what the trade offers look like, but, you know, Charlotte claimed they wanted a big. I always felt Golden State was going to take Wiseman. uh, So at that point, it was just kind of between Ball or or, uh, Edwards. Ball has that it factor where like if there's going to be a superstar out of the draft, it's going to be him. A lot of question marks with, you know, how good of a shooter is he, you know, everything that comes with the ball name. I think Edwards is a safe pick at at the end of the day. Uh, But yeah, like you said, you know, I think little overweight, probably cut five, 10 pounds, you know, freak athlete, but Everything that came out before the draft with, with that, that quote of him saying, like, you know, I really don't watch basketball, you know, not, you know, in, in love with it or whatever he said. A uh, little concerning just because we've we've dealt with Andrew Wiggins for, you know, the last five-plus years. You get a little bit of vibes of, of 2.0, but you just hope veterans like, like Rubio uh, and, you know, I think a guy like Josh Okoge could really bring him under his wing. Uh, and you know, just make him a little bit more driven, and hopefully, he's at he's that third piece that that we really need. Yeah, certainly, a lot to be excited with him. And I mentioned this before we started with you, Boone. But the Timberwolves, uh, in their workout with uh, Anthony Edwards, he recorded the fastest ever three quarter court sprint uh, in Timberwolves history. So he's he's a fast player, uh, definitely. But you, you mentioned some of the shooting on the outside. I think he was a 29% three-point shooter at Georgia. Uh, but he did take a lot of bad shots, and there was some ill-advised shots for sure. But when you look at some of his highlights, and especially that Maui Invitational when he played uh, Michigan State and that come-from-behind yep. win, I mean, he is phenomenal. He's a phenomenal scorer. He can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot off the pass. He can take it to the hole. He can dunk over you. And he can make some steals, too, with those long arms. I mean, you definitely got to get more on the defensive end from him. And Garrison Rosas and and Ryan Sanders and this team, you know, really vetted him. And they felt like they had a tremendous athlete that also had a will to compete that necessarily wasn't out there in the media, especially with some of these stories you're hearing about basketball might not be his his first love, but it is one of his great passions. And I I think uh, he's got a good work ethic, at least listening to Rosas talk about him. Yeah, and yeah. definitely with with Rosas, it's like they had, and with especially with COVID, it gave them so much time to kind of, you know, evaluate, weigh their options, go through trades, figure out, you know, 
who might be the best fit, whether it be trading for a star, trading for, you know, a veteran. I think I trust Rosas in the sense that, that he did his due diligence where he felt Edwards would be the best fit for our team. Uh, so early on in the, in his career as our GM, it's like, you know, trust or as our president, uh, have a little faith. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, for now, you know, I, I like what we did on draft night with getting Rubio. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but getting Jaden McDaniels, uh, it's my favorite player coming out of the draft and Omero. We'll, we'll see how he comes over in a couple of years, but uh, I, I trust Rosa's, you know, trust the process, I guess, in a sense. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I, I, I like D'Lo, I like Cat, and I like adding a, a guy who who can go get a bucket uh, if we need. So, you know, with with Edwards, I think he'll be a stud, but we'll I guess we'll have to wait and see for sure. Mm-hmm. And BG, I know you've done a fair amount of research into the new Timberwolves and obviously getting Rubio back, uh, but let me share this story quick about uh, Rosas and the draft leading up to Edwards, and then we'll get some of your reaction uh, from draft night. Uh, so apparently the Wolves, this decision has been made for over a month now and credit to Rosas and this organization for keeping that under wraps and keeping that so tightly guarded uh, because we heard they were trying to shop this pick and they were just definitely listening to offers as they came in up to that pick and Rosas said they had over 10 offers for that first round pick from teams looking to move up uh, to draft James Wiseman before Golden State did, or there's a couple teams looking to maybe get LaMelo Ball uh, earlier than three, and none of the offers really panned out into being enough uh, to pass up on Edwards, is what he said. They, they didn't get a good enough offer uh, to leave Edwards out there, and really, I mean, when you look at the story and when these guys met uh, a month ago, they said if he's there and he's still available, we don't get an amazing offer, uh, we're going to take him at number one, and that's exactly what they did. They had a dinner with him in California, uh, Malibu, at a fancy uh, restaurant called Nobu. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Nobu Malibu. Uh, Ryan Saunders and Garrison Rosas met with a 19-year-old uh, George native who's never left his home state uh, for schooling, at least. And he graduated a year early from high school. 19-year-old kid now coming to the NBA. I mean, there's a lot to learn, and there's a lot you can learn by sitting down with a kid like that and having dinner. And after that night... Really, everything changed in the Timberwolves' mind, at least, because this was their guy, and they knew this guy was head and shoulders above the rest of the competition when, when you heard him talk, and they heard him explain not only his, his strengths on the court, but also his weaknesses, and they heard him talk about how much better he needs to get defensively, and that came from him, uh, recognizing his own flaws, his own weaknesses, and, and to them, that was a, a huge, huge thing for them. I mean, that's something you don't see in a lot of 19-year-old kids that have won and done to the NBA. So for them, that's really all it took. And they had it made up in their mind over a month ago that at number one, they're going to draft Anthony Edwards unless they get some offer that they cannot refuse. That never came. And hey, we got our guy. Yeah, I think the way that Rosas and the Wolves organization went around it or went about it and Ryan Saunders holding it close to our chest, like you said, um, I didn't know that we had Edwards picked out in our mind a month before, but um, I heard that more than 10 teams came to the Wolves looking for a trade offer and that none of them were good enough for the Wolves front office. And they obviously have more of a better idea how Edwards is um, mentally, physically right now. So 
I totally stand by that decision, sticking with Edwards and not trading it down, even though I thought going into the draft night that could have been a possibility. But, I mean, I wanted Edwards out of the big three, if you will, with Wiseman and LaMelo Ball. And I think that Edwards is by far the most talented player in this draft when he brings it, which is a big question. I think we'll soon find out if he brings it every night now with an 82-game schedule and defense, which it's defense in the NBA, so we'll see what that actually <laughs> entails. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the first pick. Uh, I don't know if we get all our boxes checked at the end of the night with the other two picks, but I think we got a great value for McDaniels, um, getting him uh, in the late first round. Yeah, 28. Yeah, he could have been. He probably should have been a lottery pick or close to a yep. lottery pick. Um, but I think there's still some boxes to hopefully check off before the season starts in a little over a month. But I think Edwards is going to be a great addition, and I'm hoping that he can translate his college career and um, further it on the NBA. And one thing I will say is I think the reports about like his weight, uh, or not the reports about his weight, but just being out of breath at at tryouts and mm-hmm. his shape, comments yeah. on playing football over basketball. I just kind of think that's all been overhyped, much like we talked about a couple months about a couple months ago about Kirk Cousins saying if I get covid I die. Like I think it's just one <laughs> yeah. of those where it's it's definitely overhyped. Uh on Thursday um Edwards was on the jump with the young lady Rachel, Rachel Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he cleared up the comments saying he loves basketball. He's dedicated. I mean, I'm, I, basketball is my favorite sport to play, and I love watching football more. And another discussion we could have is if I'm in the same conversation as Edwards with that number one pick, and if it means the same thing as me saying this, a casual sports fan. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just so overblown in my opinion. And whatever the weight he played on in college, he should stay that weight. I don't know if he's gained weight with everything that's going on, but his physicality, and his body was just perfect at Georgia yeah. um, for obvious reasons. Just go and watch the film. So I think he's fine there. And the, the front office was very comfortable and confident with the workout we had. And they have much more of an idea than us. So I'm really happy with Edwards. And I'm excited for the season to begin. And hopefully it pans out for us. And this might, this might be going off script a little bit. But with Edwards, obviously he's probably going to always be a two at, at the NBA level. Do you slide him next to Beasley at the three, or, or how do you kind of envision the the Wolves starting line? I mean, obviously you go D'Lo at the one, probably go Edwards at the two. I mean, I, I don't know the last time a number one picks come off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, no, I think no chance Edwards comes off the bench this season, especially today talks about shopping Beasley around. I don't right. know if you heard that. Um, getting rid of Beasley, which, I mean, it would be too bad. He's definitely a good guy who I think is undervalued. But because of this draft, we have so many guards now. Bringing Ricky Rubio, we have so many guards. Malik Beasley right. is one of the few who is a consistent shooter. But, I, I mean, I think you take D'Lo at the one, obviously. You have Anthony Edwards at his position, shooting guard, which the Wolves have been looking for for so long. And then Okogi at the three, a guy who can play shooting guard and is more of a positionless NBA now but can also play defense against a three, maybe even a four, um, and then got Culver at the four. So that's my two cents. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fair take. It just, I don't know if you bring, is Rubio then the starting point guard coming off the bench or does he come in and play 
uh, with those starting guys a little bit. I could see them mixing in Rubio at, at least to start the season um, in that starting lineup. Yeah, I think Rubio, obviously, if he's strictly a point guard, he's coming off the bench behind D'Lo. But even just not on the court, he's such a great addition to our team with the veteran leadership that he has. Even for D'Angelo Russell, he's been in the uh, league five years. But Rubio is a journeyman. He's been around the NBA. He's been around the world, and he knows a thing or two. So he can teach the young guys. And our team is very young and hopefully teach um, Anthony Edwards as well. Same goes to a Kogi, who's a young guy, but he has a great work ethic, mm-hmm. and he will play defense on our team. One of the only guys who will strap in and play defense, as we've seen against James Harden and shutting him down a couple plays. So um, I think Rubio is a great addition to the team, getting back to the question. And it kind of seems like we have some depth on the Timberwolves now for guards, which we do not have at all. We've never had, really. Right. right. Yeah, well, and I think with – with the Timberwolves, like just speaking with Okogi, if you're talking about untradeable pieces, Okogi, you kind of have to put in that conversation, right? So, I mean, obviously Cat and then now Edwards and D'Lo. Okogi's kind of up there because it's like this guy can guard damn near one through four, for sure one through three, and plays defense. If he gets his jump shot down, he's one of the better two-way players in the NBA, I would say. I mean, he runs the ball on the break, especially do, – do you guys remember Derek Williams with, with Rubio on the break? Oh, like, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Couldn't stop it. D-Will was phenomenal. So a freak athlete like that. So you take a guy like Okogi, who's a phenomenal athlete, obviously, great defensive player. D-Will sucks. <laughs> I won't even put him in the conversation. But <laughs> but. I'm excited to see Rubio out running the break. You know, that guy grew up a Timberwolf, like, you know, came, what, he was 19 when he came to us, maybe 20. Yeah, I think he was like 16 when we drafted him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the guy, Just yeah. Just getting his guy. license. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be, I'm super excited for, for this year. I think we have a bunch of athletes, and I think Rubio will bring phenomenal leadership to the team. I think Okogi, he's a young guy, and PG, you touch on this. He's a young guy, but you know he's that work ethic. He, you know, defensive drive. I think him and Edwards are going to kind of click together and just kind of. I hope Okogi brings the best out of him because Edwards obviously has the potential to be, you know, the best player in the draft. You hope he is the number one pick, but uh, kind of that third bona fide star on the Wolves for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm trying to find when Rubio was. Uh, it says 19, but I feel like he was younger than that. Yeah, we definitely drafted him when he was younger. I feel like we drafted we him at like 16 or 17. Later. He might not have signed until yeah. he was 19, but I feel like he was yeah. like 16 or 17 when we drafted him. Yeah, he was and a just, young bull. Yeah, he signed his first pro contract in Spain at age 14. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. And just talking about him now, it just makes me think about whether he is the point guard when we have different rotations going on, maybe maybe move D'Lo to the two, mm-hmm. or when he just comes in for the backup in another shift. That's a completely different look to the Timberwolves' offense where we have scores on the wings. We have a score at the center, power forward uh, position, whatever you want to call it, Nas Reed. But you have Ricky Rubio, a guy who can facilitate and run the offense mm-hmm. and give it out to these players like Jaden McDaniels, a young, raw guy who's super athletic and super gifted. Um, and it, scoring doesn't go through the point guard with Rubio like it does D-Lo. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. where you have that pick and roll set between him and Towns where either of those guys can pop a three in anybody's face. With Rubio, it's a completely different feel. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that second unit plays together and if that kind of um, converses into the new kind of Timberwolves feel we have mixing different guys together. Well, and especially if you bring if you bring Okogi off the bench too, you have Rubio, who's a phenomenal defender. You have Okogi, who's a phenomenal defender. You have one of the better defensive units if you do that too, because let's say McDaniel's, he could be a G League guy. I think he'll get minutes for sure. He might be a two-way player kind of at start, kind of like how Tyus Jones bounced between Iowa, bounced between you know playing with the Timberwolves. A guy who gets minutes, that might be your kind of guy who goes gets buckets off the bench. Mm-hmm. You really only need one or two scorers off the bench. Beasley, <laughs> with those allegations against him, we'll kind of see. Yeah, we'll see. You know, they, it almost could be a blessing in disguise for Beasley, just because, or I guess for the Timberwolves with right. Beasley. Yeah, because you know he's a guy who's looking at. You know, team might offer him thirteen to fifteen mil, but now with you know the allegations against him, you might get him for for ten mil. And you know, if you can save extra five five plus mil a year, uh, I think if you're Roses, you you kind of got to pull the trigger on damn near a, a four year deal. You know, maybe ten ten mil a year. And he's a guy who. Whether he's a six-man, like a Lou Will type, like he's your guy, you go off the bench, go score, or you plug him in at the three next to Edwards, kind of, you know, Saunders figured that out, obviously, but he's definitely a guy I see in the in the Wolves' future plans. He's, he's a, what, he played 20, 25 games with the Wolves. First game, remember we were out watching, I think he hit like, Six or seven threes. It was and all, we're yeah. Like, yeah. We were like, oh my God, this dude, we got him for, for like nothing. Yeah. So, on his time on the Wolves, when, however many games it was, he was averaging 22 points a game and shooting 42% from three. From three. And we yeah. desperately need that. We desperately need that on the Wolves. And getting for a cheap price, I would love to stay or love to keep him. And it just builds our depth and more options we have. For sure. Certainly does, fellas. Any final thoughts? Wolves draft night uh, and moving forward. Well, not Wolves, but, I mean, you guys you guys both know how I feel. Denny, Denny Advia from uh, Israel, ninth pick, ninth pick to the uh, Wizards. Steal a draft besides McDaniels. Obviously, I love him at 28 to the Wolves, but Advia to, to the Wizards. I'm calling it here. He's going to be all NBA within five years. And wow. he will be one of the best international prospects ever. Not a hot take. Very, very lukewarm taste. Uh, okay. Lukewarm take. I like it. Well, there you go. It's it's recorded. Now you have it forever. So, uh, we'll <laughs> check back in on five years. And if it's wrong, nobody will probably remember. So you're safe there. Check my Twitter. It's all <laughs> over there. Uh, he's He'll be one of the best. All righty. We'll keep an eye on him. Let's move on to Vikings preview here as we get ready for the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday afternoon. Vikings start their first of a three-game homestand against all sub-500 teams. 325 kickoff against the boys on Sunday. Dak Prescott obviously not 
playing on Sunday out for this season with his fractured ankle. Andy Dalton will get the start for the Cowboys. Uh, and, I mean, really, there's nothing that the Cowboys really pose a threat to, to the Vikings in this game. There's nothing that, that they can really do that's just going to completely dominate this Vikings team. The only way I see this Vikings team losing is if they play completely terrible. They forget everything they've done the last three weeks. Uh, the defense takes massive steps back. Kirk Cousin takes big steps back. And the offensive line will have to take a big step back. That's really the only way I see the Vikings losing this game. I mean, defensively, they've been better each and every week this season. I mean, Mike Zimmer with this makeshift defense after that bye week found a way uh, to get this defense aligned properly to protect those young corners and to find a way to get a pass rush with without your best pass rusher, without one of your best linebackers uh, all season. I mean, we found a way to get a pass rush the last few weeks with you know, well-timed blitzes and good schemes and letting those uh, safeties stay back in too deep and four deep coverage so those corners don't get burned down the field. I mean, they've been doing a tremendous job defensively of limiting the big plays, getting a pass rush with the blitz, and then getting off the field on third down. They've been the, one of the best. I think it's the fourth best team in the league on third down percentage this year. They're allowing around 30%, I want to say maybe 35% of third downs, which is a really good mark. And if they can continue that, uh, I mean, I think they have a great chance to win three more games in a row here and get right back into the mix uh, in the NFC playoff contention. Yeah, I mean, obviously this should be, I mean, it should be a cakewalk. We are by far the be- the better team in the matchup. In the matchup, it helps that the Cowboys are probably in the bottom three teams in the NFL. But I think the most important part of this game is that it's America's game of the week. Meaning, I think we'll get Tony Romo on the call. Oh. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I didn't even look at the yeah, announcers. So three, yeah. It's one of the 325 games. Yeah. It's a Cowboys game. I'm guessing we'll get Romo yeah. and Nance, which automatically makes it a great game no matter what. But, yeah, back to the game. I think we're going to win the game unless we played like we did against the Colts or the Falcons. Just absolutely shit the bed. We are by far the, the superior team. And it's just another chance for us to get closer to the NFC West um, wild – or the – closer to the teams in the NFC West right. um, with the NFC wildcard picture and get up to 500, five and five after starting one and five. Uh, that'd be pretty remarkable and, and cool to see for a Vikings team that has won three divisional games in a row uh, up to this point in Dallas. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And our passing defense uh, should have, have another game to gain confidence against Andy Dalton um, in that receiving group. And we'll have a good chance to, to stop a good running back in Ezekiel Elliott, but our just offense should absolutely tear uh, the Cowboys defense apart with the way Cook has been playing, the way Kirk has been playing, the combo um, of Thielen and Jefferson, and that Cowboys secondary can't guard anybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we put up 40 on them, as we should. Yeah. So hit the hit the over is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know how many points the Cowboys are going to be scoring. True. Well, here's a stat for the over. They the Cowboys haven't scored an offensive touchdown since I believe it was the last week of September when they played uh, at Seattle. Was the last time the Seattle? There you go. The last time Dallas has scored an offensive touchdown. So yeah, I I mean, yeah, it's gonna be a tough sledding for for the Cowboys against this Vikings defense that's played better uh, with the makeshift defense, like we mentioned. But I mean, really, offensively, they should be able to roll. Uh, Dalvin Cook should have a field day. I mean, they're going to stack the box and make us throw over them, but, hey, that's fine. Kirk Cousins was 10 of 11 on third down last week with two touchdowns. I mean, are you kidding me? That's all we ask out of Kirk. 
Yes, he's probably the highest paid game manager ever, but if he's going 10 of 11 on third downs for two touchdowns, that's exactly what we need, and that's the situation we need him to play well in. Uh, I mean, he keeps getting better uh, as this season's going on, and he was doing this last year, started out slow, got hot in October, and just kind of rode that. So we got to start riding Kirk and let him make some throws down the field, especially if they're going to keep stacking the box against one of the MVP candidates right now in Dalvin Cook. And this is another chance to have a great game under a national spotlight, America's Game of the Week, like he did last weekend, last Monday, getting that first Monday night victory now against America's team for whatever reason. Um, go and beat the crap out of those Cowboys and show the, the actual quarterback that Kirk is um, and that we know him to be. And, I mean, it will help him and our receivers. Hopefully we can get going. We're playing indoors in late November, obviously, whenever we're, we're home we are. But with being in the NFC North, can't take that for granted. So hopefully we have a we have a balanced attack um, between Kirk and Delvin. But, I mean, it's pretty much whatever we want to do. We could run the ball 30 times and probably cruise to a victory if we play well or just go through the, through the air the entire game and just commit murder against their secondary. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully we have both of that because that's what we're going to need to be a, a better team. I mean, we could do what we did to Philadelphia last season where you're just throwing deep balls to Thielen and Diggs left and right, and they, they couldn't stop it. I mean, they could not stop it. Uh, that would be awesome to see again. Uh, another yep. one in U.S. Bank Stadium, 325. Boone, what is the um, spread on this game? Is it, I thought it was, is it nine points? Seven, seven one last I saw. Okay. Yeah, it came down to seven. It started at BG, nine, your, your take on... Uh... The the Vikes putting up forty points that that's looking pretty good for the over because that's given Dallas eight points the the over unders at forty eight oh. <laughs> obviously we adjust it we always do by a point and a half so uh, for anybody betting out there if you want to you know hammer the over BG's guaranteeing like <laughs> put up forty and uh, Zimmer's defense you know usually gives up. Seven to ten points. So if if BG's giving us the the over at forty eight, we're gonna say that forty points for the for the Vikes to put up, hammer the over. Granted, I'm not the best gambler. Um, I'm I'm hammer far the from the over. Yeah, yeah. Do a little. I'm a big live spread type of guy. So if you can find a live spread and hammer that, absolutely go for it. Okay, good there to you know. Have it. We can take guarantee. Um, BG, a little bit on the fly here, but while I'm talking, and we'll, we'll bring in Randy in just a sec, could you look up a few games for us to pick uh, for this week, and we're going to have Boone pick games for Zach? Yeah. Okay, because Zach's been struggling. We need Boone to uh, pick up a little slack for Zachary. <laughs> um, we bring in Randy now. Uh, Randy, I know you had a little bit of NBA stuff that you didn't get to share uh, so go ahead and just kind of fire through your, your NBA talking well, points here while BG's finding some games. It's not just NBA. It's um, I mean, I haven't been on in a little bit, so I just have some, uh, um, you know, kind of like kind of like rambling, Ricky. I, I'm just cool. going to say some things yeah. that I've been thinking about. Sure, yeah, just uh, some for general the past takes. Week in sports. So uh, uh, my my first observation is uh, is is recapping the Masters. If true golf fans w- would have noticed, but on Sunday the pin location for hole 16 was not the traditional pin location for uh, the 16th hole on Sunday, which I think that invalidates the Masters. Tiger Woods is still your reigning champion. And I think yeah. Vern Lundquist, I think Vern Lundquist was pissed off when he got to the 16th hole on Sunday because there was going to be no, you know, big dramatic call, you know, less likely for a hole in ones. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I think that was a big, big letdown for the Masters. Um, also kind of keeping in track with golf. Uh, do you guys see Jim Nance is looking for uh, Tony Romo money with, uh, with a new contract? Oh, no, I did not. Wow. So, so uh, Nance is making about $6 million a year now, and Romo's making $17 million. <laughs> um, which I think, I mean, I think Nance, uh, Nance, Nance is way more for CBS. He's kind of the face of the network. Um, so I think he's well within his right to, uh, um, to ask for that much. Mm-hmm. And then it makes me wonder how much Vern, of course, makes for just calling the 16th hole at Augusta, because that I think is the only thing Vern Lundquist does all year in sports. Now I think he's yeah. retired from everything else except for calling the 16th hole at the Masters, which, which is, is the perfect. best job in yeah. the world. Which he should do that until he dies. I mean, that is, like, Vern Lundquist yeah. at the Masters just, like, you know, pitched under a tree. He just sits there all day, you know, awesome. Like, mm-hmm. there is nothing. I'm a huge Vern guy. I mean, he was the best. When he stopped calling college basketball, I mean, that was just tragic in college football as well. And, and then, obviously, you get him at the Masters every year. So that's legendary. But, yeah, hopefully, you know, we get him for many more years at, at the Masters. Question for for all you guys: Who should be the highest paid announcer in all of sports? Mm. Booger, booger. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think my answer is Jim Nance. I think he's the best. Oh yeah, voice. Just in terms of setting up the moment, he's phenomenal. I mean, his calls from March Madness to NFL football to golf. I mean, he's got so much range. And like Andy said, he is the face of. CBS Sports, and he has been for a long time. I mean, in my mind, it's it's Jim Nance far and away. I, I think, too, though, I think what you. you're seeing, at least in broadcasting the past couple of years, is that, at least for the play-by-play guy, unless it's Jim Nance or unless it's Joe Buck, as much as people hate him, like, the play-by-play guy is is replaceable. Like yeah. I'll throw Al Michaels in there times? as well. Uh, I'm the Chris Collinsworth guy in, in that duo. Now, here's uh, a guy. But 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 again, like, are you ever? Is there ever a time where you seek out a game to watch because of the person calling the game? Yes. Or, on the, flip, or on the flip side, is there ever a time when you, you know, and, and I'm speaking more for like the mass American public. But how many times is you see someone's calling a game? You're like, oh, I'm not going to listen to that game because you know you're going to tune to the World Series if you're a baseball fan, even if you hate Joe Buck. If you love the Masters, if Jim Nance isn't calling True. the Masters. You're still going to watch the Masters, so I think if you're CBS, um, at least your argument's probably going to be against paying Jim Nance twenty million dollars a year. Is you know, people are going to watch the Final Four no matter if Jim Nance is calling it or not. Um, That's a good point. But, I think yeah. my my favorite, and obviously I'm super you know biased towards the nba finals but mike breen when he goes bang you know like that's the, nothing, the bang! nothing nothing oh blocked by james like <laughs> the greatest call of all time but i'm super biased but i would say chris collinsworth and and mike breen for sure would be mine you know oh, i just i just thought of one that Kind of similar to Romo, I'll go out of my way to watch this guy announced. And I know I was surprised that I think a fair amount of people do not support him, but Dickie V. I oh, hell yeah. Dickie V is awesome. Oh, unbelievable. Also, Bill, yeah. Bill Walton. Bill Walton for uh, those, yeah. those Pac-12, Pac-12, yeah. Pac-12 games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bill Walton is muted. fantastic on I've those. Muted. 
No, no. <laughs> Those West Coast games, you can't. Yeah. You have to just roll. You got to listen to Bill. I mean, it's like uh, Paul Allen. Yeah. Paul Allen is phenomenal. I mean, he's one of the best home radio guys in, in the entire National Football be. League. I yeah. mean, he, he doesn't work, obviously, at a network, but in terms of a home radio station, Paul Allen's phenomenal. I mean, he's, in terms of pay grade or how much he gets paid underpaid. every year. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe underpaid. Um, maybe. I don't know what he gets paid. But in terms of like, right. getting uh, retribution he from the networks. Does he work at Canterbury? He works at Canterbury, but I'm talking about he gets paid. A, a, what, the point I'm trying to make is he gets paid a shitload of money every year for his calls that get picked up by networks. So when yeah. ESPN and when CBS and Sunday Night Football pick up the Paul Allen going ridiculous, he's getting paid every single time that gets played. And he, yeah. he, yeah. In and terms of pay, loose. one of the highest paid. Uh, home radio announcers in all the NFL. Yeah. I think there should be a rule that if a game starts after 8.30 p.m. Central time, 9.30 Eastern time. Um, so basically if there's a West Coast game, regardless of it's college basketball, NBA, hockey, whatever it, whatever it be, Bill Walton has to be on the call. Because like it doesn't like, – like, Bill Walton could call anything and he's going to say the same – he was going to ask you the seven countries that border some random country in Asia. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't even matter talk about the game. It doesn't no. matter the sport. It doesn't make. He could be. He should have been the one calling the Korean baseball games at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> like he, like those, like that. Between the hours of eight thirty p.m. Central and three a.m. Central time, like that's when Bill Walton thrives. I mean, that's it's when, what you fall asleep to. You just yeah, listen to Bill Walton and you just go to that's, bed. That's for him. Like that's when the shrooms are kicking in. That's when you know, <laughs> all the psychedelics are kicking in for him. You know, you know he has in one of his earbuds he has Grateful Dead playing, and then the other one is like you know whoever's whoever's on the air with him. For sure, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's a wild man. I don't know how we got on the point of announcers, but Andy, are you working through your list of announcers or your list of uh, uh, points yeah, here? I found the games too. Okay, we got games ready to go. So Andy, keep hammering away on your takes. All right, I think uh, uh, I think that's about um, I think that's about it. Again, like I've I've just had I've, I've just had thoughts. Yeah. I've had opinions that's over good. the past uh, over the past week, and I think that's a that's a that's a good place to end. Is Bill Walton on psychedelic drugs? <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Uh, BG, let's go on to pick segment. What do you got for us? All right, let's start out. Let's start with the college football one. Do one college football, three NFL. I don't know how you guys want to do an upset because I'm guessing you guys haven't looked. Yeah, we'll do upsets later, but just go through, give us the line, then we'll each person just say your pick, pick right. and we'll move on. We BG, you know I've looked. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, we're going to start in Columbus, Ohio at the Ohio State University. And this mm-hmm. game is before noon, yep. like my, a lot of college games are. You could come up with an announcer who should be before noon to get you guys going. Maybe Chris Berman. Yeah, maybe but, Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have number nine, Indiana, which is pretty cool, against number three, mm-hmm. Ohio State. Ohio State are 20-point favorites. Yeah, it really not a surprise for me in terms of Ohio State being 20-point. They're, they're far and away a better team than Indiana. Obviously, Indiana's had a, a magical season up until this point, and I like it a lot to Minnesota's season last year, uh, starting out 9-0, and obviously getting up to the number nine team in the country, I believe our, our highest ranking was. Uh, and then they started to lose some games, and I think this is the time for Indiana uh, when they're going to start to lose some games, and I think Ohio State will cover. Boone or Randy? Yeah, uh, I'll, 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 I'll go, go here. Oh. Yeah, go, Randall. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if you're Indiana, um, this is the first time in the history of Indiana football where um, the phrase, wow, like, 
big game between Indiana and insert team here this weekend. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Indiana yeah, I mean, is a football team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll t- I'll take Indiana and, and I mean that's a lot of points. I think that's a, I think they're a good football team. I mean it's a um, it's a weird year. So uh, when you give Indiana that many points, I'll take them. I, I'm with Randall. I think you know I'm going to adjust it to 22 points. You know, take a little worse odds, but uh, Ohio yeah, State might win by by three touchdowns, but wow. Indiana's gonna gonna cover. Who are you picking then? Because we're not allowing an adjustment on the spread. Shit, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to still take Indiana by 20 and a half. That's like Randy said, that's a lot of points. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with Indiana too, or I'm, I'm going with Indiana. They're a nine seed, and I love to see it, and they're 20-point dogs, so I'll take them. Um, Boone gave a hot take earlier today regarding the NBA. This is a piping hot take right now. Indiana's going to make the college playoffs. Okay, wow. moving on. The NFL. Wow, wow. wow. <laughs> PG, what's their quarterback's name? No idea. <laughs> that is a piping hot take. On the roster. No idea. Yeah, I, I don't know their quarterback's name either. I, I can't remember, but yeah, that's that. Can you, you name hot take quarterback? Bill's chirping, but he doesn't know. That he doesn't know. Well, I, wasn't, I wasn't the one who just said they're going to go to the college football playoff. True. True. Hey, hear true. me now. Listen to me later. All right. Wait. <laughs> wait. Can anyone name any quarterback ever to play for Indiana? Hmm. I know Eric Gordon was very good at basketball. Yeah, it's exactly like BG said. Indiana has a football team. <laughs> <laughs> and then he picked him to go to the college football playoff. And then he goes, yeah. <laughs> All right, BG, next game. All right, NFL, Titans at Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore is five and a half. Mm. I'll start. I, I take... Tennessee to cover that for sure. Uh, I think, you know, Lamar is phenomenal, but I think he's overhyped. I think it showed losing to, to New England. You know, I'm all aboard Henry. I And you got to put Amani Hooker. Andy, I'm not going to toot your <laughs> horn too much, but – Skohawks with, hey, with Amani Hooker. Um, uh, Desmond King now in that secondary. Yeah. I like Tennessee to cover. I'll probably adjust it, but but I like Tennessee to cover. Yeah, I'm going to go with yeah, Tennessee I'll as go, well. Um, yeah, I think uh, the Ravens, I think, were good this year, but they've had so many injuries, and they lost. I think that they lose Clayus Campbell this, uh, this past weekend against the Patriots. Correct. Yeah, they did. Um, yep. Uh, they lost, yeah, and then they their tight end like snapped his ankle or something like that. Um, they've just been decimated with injuries, and I mean, I don't think the Titans are as good as people say they are, but I think in this case the Titans will cover. Yeah, I think the Titans will cover too. I don't know if I'm ready to say that Lamar is overhyped or overrated, but defenses are definitely figuring out how to key in, key in on him, and Derrick Henry just gets better later in the season. So I got Titans. All right. Also, we, also, Tra- Trace McSorley is uh, listed out <laughs> for the uh, for the Ravens, which is I think the biggest blow for that offense. <laughs> All right, moving on, we got Andy's Green Bay Packers against everybody else's Indianapolis Colts. Mm. Um, I've got to say the spread, don't I? Colts yes, are minus two. Oh, 
I'll I'll start just because I've already hammered two hundred bucks on the Packers to cover that spread, and I actually <laughs> took money line. I think Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. Andy, again, not to toot your horn, but <laughs> Rodgers is is the goat, and uh, if if he lets me down this week, you're going to cover half that bet for me. I heard. Yeah, I'll um. I'll take the Packers too. Um, I think yeah, I think Rod, it's the it's Rogers MVP to lose. I think uh, the Seahawks are Whoa. a bust. They have the worst defense in the league. Also, I'm just going on f- football hot takes here. Cliff Kingsbury is a terrible coach. Kyler Murray. Is. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. What you're talking about the Seahawks? You guys play the Colts. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I, I was just going on a little little tangent there. Okay. You okay. Know, Russell yeah. Wilson's been the MVP talks. Rogers going to beat him out, and then I just had thrown there my. Well, Russ uh, has been dropping a little in the MVP uh, race. At, yeah. at this point, it's probably Delvin Cook, huh? <laughs> uh, no, I, it's Patty Mahomes. But, yeah, Russ has been dropping the last few weeks with his interceptions. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, back to back to the Packers, uh, I think they are going to cover this week. And I think Rodgers isn't the best quarterback in the league, Boone, but he's up there. Uh, I got him maybe his top three uh, quarterbacks in the league right now. He definitely can definitely top definitely top thirty-two. Uh, he uh, week <laughs> to week he can, he can be the best. I don't think he is the best every week. Uh, I got Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes ahead of him, but he's a very good quarterback, and I'm going to take the Packers this week. Yeah, I'm also going to take the Packers. I think they cover that and they win. Although it's a good Indianapolis Colts. Defense, so we'll see how the Packers fare, but I think the Packers w- will cover. And I have Aaron Rodgers as the second best quarterback in the league in the NFC North, obviously behind Kirk. All right, we go <laughs> to Minnesota for our next game where the Cowboys enter U.S. Bank Stadium and the Vikings are seven and a half point fit. I'll start Vikes all day. Uh, I, I don't see any way they can stop Dalvin Cook. And if they stack the box, then we're going to throw over the top. And, and they're not going to be able to, s- to score on this Vikings defense. They haven't scored, like I mentioned, since the end of September. An offensive touchdown against Seattle was the last time they scored. And Seattle, obviously, is the other really bad defense in the league, uh, along with the Cowboys. So I don't see them scoring a touchdown on Sunday. I think it's Vikes uh, by 25, maybe even 30. Yep, Vikes minus seven for me. You said it all, Bill. <laughs> Randall, that uh, how hard was that for you to say right there? I'm not too bad. I mean, it's that was <laughs> you know, it's it's two teams that I don't I don't care for at all. the 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 worst though, the worst was Monday night because I shouldn't say the worst because when the Bears and the Vikings are playing, I despise both teams, and no matter what, one of the teams is going to win, one of them's going to lose. Do you even so watch at that point? Uh, I think. Did I watch the game? I think I watched the game. I was doing some live betting on a yeah. on, on Monday night. Yeah, I think I, I think I came out even. With the, I for uh, sure go. I for sure go Vikes. You know, you know Zeke might have a game, but they're probably gonna pass. And if Vikes are up by a couple of touchdowns. I don't see the the Cowboys doing anything on offense. I'll probably go Vikes spread, and and I'll probably take the under, even though. <laughs> BG guaranteed. Uh, you guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. Hey, screw my guarantee. I based it all off BG, and he said forty points from from Zim's offense. So we're gonna take it, and we're gonna lock in both picks tonight. I love it. It's actually Kirk's offense, but I like it. Um, I'm taking Vikes minus seven and a half as well with the spread. I think if the game ends up 
remotely close to that spread, it's a loss for the Vikings Mm -hmm. in a disappointing week. I think we should win by 20. Okay, last NFL game. Wait, yeah. Is that right, or are we doing upset? Uh, Yeah, we can do one more NFL game. Okay. It's a pretty good one. Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs, fresh off a bye, um, playing the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders already beat them this year. That's their one loss. And the Chiefs are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, I don't have the statistics in front of me uh, with Andy Reid off of a bye, but I'm sure he's dominant. I'm going Chiefs. I'll go. I, you know, I'm three and zero with the Raiders this year. Knock on wood. Hey, right here. Knock on wood if you're with me. Uh, but I, uh, I, I like Derek Carr, and I'm I'm gonna go Raiders seven and a half. I'm not saying they're winning. Not gonna go money line, but I'm gonna go Raiders plus seven and a half. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Raiders too, and it just gives me another chance to say: Has there ever been a quarterback that? You know, we've been saying for so long, is this guy good or not? Like, then Derek Carr. Like, I feel like <laughs> 12 years. I don't even know if he's been in the league for 12 years, but however long he's been in the league, every year it's like, is he good? Oh, no, not this year. Oh, is he good? Like, well, he just, got paid like he's good. Right. Yeah, I mean, everyone gets paid nowadays, but True. Um, yeah, I think seven and a half points. You got to take the points if you're the Ra- with the Raiders there. I mean, just a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. Carr was in the same draft class as Bridgewater. And I feel like that's kind of a statement you could say about Bridgewater, too, if he's really good or not. Give me Teddy all day, I, every I day of the week. I'll take, I'll take the Raiders as well. Like I said, Raiders have already beaten them in Kansas City. Now they're at home, and the Raiders are getting better and better. So I think we'll cover, but not win. All righty. Is that uh, that's everything, right, PG? Pick segment? Yep. Sweet. And the only other pick I'm going to throw in there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer the over on Waller's receptions. Okay. What is it at? I don't know, but I'm gonna hammer it. Something you read online. Also, no, uh, that's just that's straight up uh, uh, hard knocks. Hammer, hammer the over on Waller. My my extra bet for the week is uh, is the Rams money line over the Buccaneers. I think that's crazy that they're underdogs. You're gonna lose money, my friend. Sorry. Oh no, no way. <laughs> All right, Tony Brown. Antonio Brown, it's been too long. He has to beat someone up. He's due to beat someone up this week. Like he is, it's just gonna beat up another camera. Is is that good? <laughs> is that good for the Bucks if he? No, like I'm, look, I'm thinking like he's he's gonna he's gonna get suspended or something because it's been too long since he's acted out in some way. <laughs> for it this week. Yeah, it's true. He is a ticking time bomb, and it's it's only a matter of time. He hasn't gone Instagram live unless, in a while. It, so. Unless Tom Brady's mate, maybe Tommy B has fixed him. I mean, they, they're best buds now, so maybe they're maybe they're all. I'm pretty sure they're living together. Yeah, are I, they? That's what. Well, I don't know if that was true. I heard that as well. I I didn't know if that was just like a, a joke imagine or whatever. Or like, but I don't know. Imagine yeah, having Andy. kids and like I, I I picture I picture Antonio Brown like in a bunk bed with one of Tom yeah. Brady's kids and Tom, Tom talking like both of a minute. Both night, of them in. Had to tell PJ's on. Yeah. Uh, Kisses them both on the lips because yeah. Brady's a weirdo. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that will uh, wrap up pick segment for the week and uh, we'll uh, guess see how all those picks do. And boom, we got a couple of futures on you, uh, but we'll see how your five-year pick with the NBA and all that pans out as well. Hold me to it. Yes, we will. All righty, final thing here. Uh, I just have a hot take that's been brewing uh, since Governor Walsh spoke on Wednesday night. Uh, so a little controversial here. You guys can 
have your takes after I, I give my little spiel here. Uh, but for those of you in Minnesota, you're likely aware of the recent shutdowns announced by Governor Walls on Wednesday, of which I mostly agree with, almost entirely agree with. But really the one factor that is completely unexplainable, he didn't explain it at all. There was no rationale. There's no statistical evidence. There's nothing. There's almost, there actually is proof that, you know, it says his decision to shut this down was entirely wrong. And that is with gyms. I mean, it's completely unacceptable and awful baffling. Uh, that Governor Walls decided to close down gyms uh, again this week. And he said it's going to be for four weeks. Everybody and their mother knows there is no chance in hell he opens gyms up before, and really restaurants and bars and everything else, before the 1st of January. I mean, there's no chance in hell he does that right before Christmas, four weeks, and then he's like, yep, we're back to normal right before Christmas. There's no way that happens. And I get it with, with bars and restaurants and social gatherings and all this stuff. Those places were, were actual a direct result of the spike in Minnesota. And in the midst of a pandemic where we don't really know what was going on at first. I mean, it's eight months into this pandemic. When we first started, nobody knows what's, what was going on. Nobody knew how to fight it. But now we do, at least a little bit. Now we have an idea of where the virus is coming from with contact tracing, where people are getting sick at. And when you look at the numbers, it's, it's really astonishing to see. I mean, it's completely... I'll just go through it right here. We have two, a little over 240,000 COVID cases right now in Minnesota. 750 of those can be traced back to health clubs around the state, which 750, that sounds like a lot. There was 48 total outbreaks uh, among health clubs in Minnesota, which sounds like a lot. 750 sounds like a lot. But when you put that in context with the 200 and over 240,000 people, and by the time this comes out, maybe it'll be 250,000, hopefully not, but uh, the number is drastic. It's 0.003%. 750 out of 240,000 is 0.003%. That's three one hundredths of a percent. I mean, those are the numbers that are COVID cases are rising out of gyms. 0.003%. So where is the explanation from Governor Walls on why gyms were closed? I mean, the one place where people have a, a space to go and work out, reduce stress, improve their physical capacity, improve their body at fighting off viruses and diseases, improve all these things of their life. That makes, you know, your life can completely change when you're having the ability to work out and you have this place to go and to relieve stress. And for many people, it's an integral part of their life. And I feel for all the people out there in Minnesota that can no longer go to gyms for probably the rest of the winter. I mean, unless there's some sort of, and there has been a huge outlash against this decision to close down the gyms in particular. And that's really all I'm talking about here is the gyms. I mean, that is so frustrating to see 0.003%. You're talking about 99.997% of cases are coming from other places outside of gyms. I mean, almost every single case, it's completely baffling. And when you think about Lifetime, corporate headquarters are in Minnesota and Chanhassen, and the CEO went out there on Wednesday after, or maybe it was Thursday morning after the announcement from Tim Walls. And he was like, look, here are the numbers. Here's what we have done to mitigate the virus. Here's all the money, all the time, all the extra precautions. We've done it exactly how you wanted us to do it from day one. We've, we have 0.003% of cases in Minnesota. That's what we're responsible for, 0.003%. And that you're going to shut us down. You're going to put 4,000 Minnesota employees, just in Minnesota, 4,000 employees at Lifetime out of business, furloughed right before Christmas and right before Thanksgiving. I mean, it is completely baffling. There was no explanation from Governor Walls. He lumped gyms in with restaurants and bars and everything else that's you know, producing the rise in COVID. 
And there's no point. There's no point in doing that. He's destroying industries, the healthcare industry or the health club industry in Minnesota. He's putting thousands of people out of work. And for really, for what, 0.003%? Really? You kidding me, Governor Walls? And there was no explanation. There was no explanation for why gyms were closed. That's my rant, boys. I'm pretty pissed about it. And I don't see him opening them up anytime soon. Yeah, I mean... I definitely understand why you'd close bars, restaurants, um, and whatever else he closed. But I mean, he kept retail open for a reason because there, there, you couldn't trace it to any outbreaks or very little, um, numbers in their overall scheme of thing, just like fitness clubs, like you were saying. So for that reason, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me why he would do that. It's, it's unfortunate because with mental health already, declining and physical health already declining now it's going to be a cold long winter up here in minnesota and you can't go out to your club your your fitness center it just it's unfortunate and no i i agree with you it, it doesn't make sense um why fitness centers well, are closed and I, I i agree with the restaurants and bars yeah, i do too I, I completely agree with every other aspect and i don't even i don't know what he said with schools and that kind of stuff because that's another topic and, and i don't think we're even going to talk about that we're just talking about gyms right now a place where people go to help improve their body the probably the number one place you can go to help improve your body during a pandemic i mean when have we ever been more mentally and physically tested as a country I can't remember a time, at least in our lifetime, I'm sure war times and things like that were way more stressful than this. But uh, I mean, in terms of our lifetime, a pandemic, when have we ever been more physically and mentally tested? And that's what gyms help you get better at. I mean, that is one of the few places you can go that actually helps you become a better person physically, mentally, your whole body, your whole self becomes better by going to these places. And I don't know how in the midst of a pandemic, when those places are so vitally needed, vitally needed by many people. I mean, there was a study that the Star Tribune, I don't know who they accredited it to, but it was out of the Star Tribune today. They said over 50% of people think their mental uh, health has significantly reduced during this pandemic. And you're talking about a place that helps people tremendously. Health clubs help people. And they don't, they don't, you know, produce massive spikes in COVID. 750 cases over millions of people going into gyms over the last several months in Minnesota. I mean, 240,000 cases, 750 of those are from gyms. It's completely ridiculous. BG, Randy, Boone, any thoughts, COVID-related, any other takes you got to get off your chest uh, before we wrap well, things up? The only thing is uh, at my apartment, they they shut down the gym from, from now to, I want to say, like December 18th. And it's just like for the next month, I would say – you know, I work from home, stay out the window all day. It's dark from pretty much the time I wake up to the time I stop working with busy season. My kind of release was, hey, let me go run on the treadmill. Let me get that. I can't even get that now. So it's like for the next month, oh, what, I just crank out 100 push-ups? And I'm like, oh, like, sweet. Like, this is awesome. Gym's closing is the most bullshit excuse sorry i don't mean to go uh, i probably won't go on as big of a rant as beale did but mental health is one of the biggest contributors and physical health obviously with fighting against covid not being able to go to a gym staying in like your residence 
I think it's going to make people worse. So, you know, Walls is doing what he thinks is right, but not having, you know, an, an out, as you may say, is going to, I think, make people worse. So gyms should be open. Obviously, like, limited capacity as they have been. I don't see what's different now versus what has been different in the past. Well, I'll tell you what's different now. Two months. What's different in the last eight months is now we can trace exactly where the cases are coming from, where a person got sick, who else they got sick, how many people they got sick, all these things. And we've done a really good job of being able to track these things. And we have the knowledge to do that. And they have the data. I mean, that's the most damning thing. It's like, if they didn't have the data, you'd be like, okay, that's fine. But, but when this first started, Minnesota was very, very open with their COVID cases. It got slightly more confusing and they made it a little more confusing, right? In maybe month four and five of the pandemic. But now they've kind of cleared things up on their website. It's very straightforward. How many cases we have today? How many new cases? All the, et cetera, the, the data that you want to look at. Where are they coming from? Where are the hot spots? Where are these people getting sick? And mostly coming from bars and restaurants and, and the late night bars. And Governor Walls shut those down, 10 o'clock, no longer serving, and the other things he's done to help mitigate uh, the transmission rate. But there's no justification. And there's actually anti-justification for doing what he did. And I just don't get it. Hopefully he reverses his decision, but there's no statistical evidence that says that what he did, closing gyms, is actually going to help. And I think there's a ton of evidence to say it's going to hurt. So that will do it for the show. We'll be back later, uh, I guess later this week with, uh, no, later next week, excuse me, with a recap from Sunday's football game. And uh, we'll go through pick segment, all of that later next Another week. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question, but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end that's right. I hope you have the time of your life. So take the photographs and still frames in your mind. Hanging on a shelf and good up and good times. Tattoos and memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, in the end that's right I hope you have the time of your life
was awesome, guys. That, that was, was awesome. That whistle part was really good. Thank you. <laughs>